Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Bitches, Witches, and Queers, a podcast dedicated to those who have left religion behind and are now seeking to rebuild their lives through self-exploration, play, and spirituality. I, your host, Christina Carlson, am an embodiment and intuition coach. I work with bitches, witches, and queers to discover their own worth and value and learn how to trust themselves to create the lives they want. I'm an experimenter by nature, so this podcast, like my life, is an offering in flux. What you find here will be diverse and, hopefully, interesting. One thing you can know for sure is that we will get good and curious here. Welcome. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. I wanted to do a few announcements before we get started in today's podcast. Um, There are two exciting opportunities coming up to work with me that I wanted to share with you. And the first is a free mini workshop that I'm going to be doing called Queer Wife Life. And this workshop is specifically for women and femmes who are in straight passing relationships and um, specifically working through queer imposter syndrome and how to validate your queerness and embrace your queerness in a straight passing relationship. Um, I'm so excited about this workshop. If that sounds like you or someone you know, please share. Um, please come send me your email uh, via DM or you can email me. My email is linked below. Um, yeah, Queer Wife Life. I'm so excited about this one. I love doing workshops with you all, love chatting with you all, so I would love to see you there. Uh, The second is a program that I'm working on for this fall. Um, This program uh, does not have a name yet. I'll let you know when I come up with a name. Um, But it is going to be this fall starting in about September and is going to be uh, focused on rebuilding your connection with yourself through um, joyful connections, so through connection to your body, connection to your values, and connection to your soul desire. This is the work that I'm extremely passionate about, Um, really moving with self-compassion and love to help you move out of self-sabotage and away from shame cycles and into finding space for yourself in your life and your dreams that feels um, rich and aligned with who you are inside. Uh, There's so much value to this work. Everyone who does this work is, is changed in incredible ways and um, yeah, I'm just, I just can't say enough good things about it. If you want to get on the waiting list, now is the time. I'm only accepting five people for this fall because it is the first time I'm going through it. And uh, there's a group component to this. There will be classes and there's also going to be one-on-one support. So there's going to be a lot um, that you'll get in this program and it's at a discounted rate since it's the first time I'm going through it. Um, so yeah, uh, DM me your email or um, send me an email if you're interested in getting on that wait list. Yeah, it's like, like the coffee shop friend or like I, the local bar. Yes, I've been like think, so thoughtful about that since you've said it. Because um, that's like a dynamic that I miss so much about nesting. Like I, yeah. I miss just like the experience of having like a person that I very consistently in like a very rhythmic fashion just like unpack the events of the day and like whatever's on our minds with. Yeah, and the thing is, like, even if you have someone you live with, that doesn't always happen. That doesn't always I was lucky with Josh, yeah. That's the, <laughs> like, he and I had that dynamic. Yeah. And so when you talked about Eli, I was just like, oh, that's a thing I miss. I don't even think I realized I missed that. Yeah. Mm. It's so, it's so that's special. So They're amazing. I absolutely adore them. And it's, like, really, um, I think we started Marco Poloing at the beginning of the pandemic. So it was like a month in, not even a month, it was like right after it started in March, like when we went into full lockdown and I had Maya at home and was just like wandering around and losing my shit and we just started messaging each other. Yes, and getting drunk every night on the patio and like, Josiah was working like constantly because thank fuck his business took off. You're welcome. Just so y'all know, I, I ordered coffee this morning and I forgot to specify a different kind of milk and actual regular cow's milk makes me very sick. So I just gave it to Audra when I got here. And <laughs> so I got a special they made coffee me for treat. <laughs> 
I knew I bought it for something. Yes. Oh, no. I will happily receive this copy and give you mine. Oh, <laughs> mm. uh, yeah. We were just talking about the processing the world. Yeah. It's, it's so strange. I can't remember what episode it was, but we talked about this within the past couple of months. Um, and I want to say it came off of me saying something about Elizabeth Yalto's post about, like, figuring out what your gift to the village is like if we were like oh, yeah. really creating a village mindset then like what we should be doing is like leaning to our real strengths like everyone gets to like bring the purest of their strength to the table mm -hmm. and I feel like I remember us having a conversation about um and you said something to the effect of like what is it what does it look like to create a sense of safety in a world that feels so fucking unsafe and I've been thinking about that and I really just keep coming back to the fact that it's, like, finding our people and, like, digging into such, like, deep community and deep, like, mutual aid support. Um, it's a weird time to be alive because nothing feels safe. Yeah, and the thing is, like, nothing is. No. That, that's the no, problem. Yeah. It's nope, like, it's there like it is. Yeah. With, with so much, like, religious trauma and purity culture trauma, sexual trauma, there's, like, all of this... Not to mention just average patriarchal trauma. Just, I'm just going to name that as a category. Average. What we've lived with always. Yes, you have like this um, situations where you've been unsafe and then situations where you are safe but it still feels unsafe because yeah. of trauma. Yes. The thing about right now is we're living in actual unsafe unsafety times. and actual yeah. trauma. So like creating a community is like a concept I want to lean into mm -hmm. and also acknowledge that like how how is it possible to have safety when yeah. everything around you is not yeah. safe? I actually like. And is a, that even possible? Is that possible? Here's my question, because my thought on that, I've I've been exploring the same thing. So I'm like, I think I stand by the idea that more people like supporting one another and like sharing resources and like being together in our giftings. Like, that way forward just makes so much sense for me because because that that's how we, like, divest from a lot. There's mm -hmm. a lot of things we can't divest from as long as we live in the United States. Right. Like, there's yeah. just a bunch of unsafety that we can't. But, like, creating an internalized sense of more safety, like, could I create a system that makes me feel and actually functionally makes me 10% more safe? Mm -hmm. Um. And for me, I've kind of been, like, starting with ground zero, like, with myself. So I wanted to ask you, this is actually a question that's been on my mind for you. Um, like, from an embodiment perspective, is there anything that you're doing for yourself right now to, like, create a sense of stability in a very unsafe world? A lot. Like, inside yourself. Yeah, what does yeah. that practice look like for you right now? Yeah, I mean, this past weekend, as I was telling you earlier, I went um, to a wedding that was, like, deeply religious. And um, before I went, I was feeling, like, a lot of anxiety and, like, um, just because the last time I was around these people, it was, like, um, triggered by, like, some homophobic comics directed, like, right at me. And it was really um, disruptive to my nervous system. So before I went over, um, I spent the afternoon doing, like, um, dry brushing and, like, oiling my entire body and just, like honestly watching a show while I was doing it to distract yes. my mind and like um was just doing anything that I was like oh this is what I need um and then I called my sister before I went over and just went over and hugged her for a while yeah. and was just like I you need a friend like yes. it's like whatever I needed I was like oh I need this like mm -hmm. now I need to talk to people who again like you said can make me feel 10% safer yes not because they can do this for me or even mm -hmm. with me but because I know that have their support and it, it's like that it's like a found family or chosen family you have yes. this like you have this network of people that like you could text if you needed to who know you're going into this who know you live in this situation that allows you this like the actual embodied feeling of family with you wherever you go and again that's not like creating actual safety when you go into those spaces but for me, doing, like, those practices to, like, get in my body and, like, touching my whole body and, like, reminding myself of my feet on the ground. Like, remembering those things in the situation while also having, like, physical, 
hugs from people that before I go, it's like ground me. Yes. You know, it's like, so I had this thing that I used to do when I used to do runway. Um, and I was always like a person who would just like dissociate to get things done because of religion. It was like, you have to pray this prayer. It's like, okay, great. Full skill. Leave my body. Um, leave my body, yo. But I like, I would imagine myself before I went down the runway eating a bowl of cereal at the end of the night. And, mm. and having been yes. done with it. Yes. And I was like, no matter what, even if I fall off the runway or yeah. break a heel, You're still gonna have bowl of eventually, right. even if I'm at the hospital, you know, at, at the yeah. end of the night, I'm going to fucking have a bowl of cereal. Yeah. And that was like grounding mm-hmm. to me because it created an anchor. And that's kind of what yes. I feel like you can do with family and community is like you connect with this person and you know that no matter what this event has, this person is tying you yeah. To safety, tying you yes. to your identity, your belonging. It's like a form of like making space for co-regulation. Exactly. Even if you, yeah. even if what's what you're co-regulating with is a fucking bowl of cereal at the end of the night. Yeah. Because that too is co-regulation. That was as much as I could handle at that time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so interesting. Um, co-regulating with a bowl of cereal. Listen, it yes. is one of my favorite partners in co-regulation. To be honest. Definitely. Oh, I think that's the perfect. Um, yeah, that feels like the most aligned way to like acknowledge that. Yes, we live in an unsafe world, and there are elements of it that we cannot change. Like the oh. systems are set up for us to not be able to change it. I need to say something. Say something. <laughs> I love it. I was telling my sister this when we were talking about. It. We've had a lot of like debriefing time throughout the past week where we yep. just like sit and drink coffee and talk about the end of the world, <laughs> and and I was just like cracking up because like this is how we were raised. Like oh. we were raised to be soldiers and to believe that we were persecuted and unsafe. Uh-huh. Yeah. We were Easy. raised to believe that like you oh. only have this specific group of people to keep you safe. Yeah. We were raised that you find your people, you know how to find your people, and to put up your defenses when you're around people who aren't safe. We literally were taught these skills. It's like born into our systems. Yes. How weird is that? It's so strange, and I think that's one of the the reasons this is a very special mind fuck for people who were raised in religious settings. I, I didn't understand, so like Roe v. Wade hit on, the overturn hit on Friday, I want to say. Yeah. And I had a so weekend like, scheduled that was just, ago. like, not, um, I didn't have a lot of people time. I wasn't, like, it wasn't a social weekend. It was mostly just me and kiddo at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I came around to Monday or Tuesday, I can't remember which, but Donnie um, asked if I, like, just wanted to have coffee in the mornings. Like, a lot of times we'll just, like, sit and have coffee on the patio. And I was like, yeah. And I gave him a little bit of a heads up. I was like, I've been a little weepy this weekend. Um, but I hadn't processed the fact that I had literally not touched an another another adult human mm-hmm. since the Roe v. Wade thing hit. And I think there was some wisdom in that. I think I actually needed a moment to, like, cocoon mm-hmm. and just, like, be with my child in a very, very, very present, like, eyes forward. I'm only here. I'm only here right yeah. now. Yeah. I needed that for the weekend. But I, like, gave Donnie a gentle warning before he came over. I was like... I've been a little weepy this weekend, so I may or may not cry. But I swear to God, I like I was standing right over here in like the the entryway, and he walked in from the patio because my people are feral and they all just like leave the <laughs> patio and then come in the store instead of coming in the normal ass door. Um, it's our long legs. <laughs> literally, my lap is filled with very tall people. Um, but so he scaled the patio and came in through the fr- this front door, and it was like the second I laid eyes on him. I just lost my shit. Like, I, like, walked straight into his arms and just sobbed. Mm. And it was such a strange thing because my, um... Donnie is my, like, person for when the world is caving in. Like, that's... Mm. He was the person who was with me the night that I got to home college. Joshua died. Like, he was the person holding my hand. Um, and so, like, we're very familiar with the energetics of holy shit, what just happened? Like, it really genuinely feels like the world is ending. Mm -hmm. And we navigate that space really beautifully together. And so, like, I was able to process, I think, because of that sense of safety. Yeah. um, I was able to process that, like, 
a lot of my pain around Roe v. Wade is less that I'm concerned that I'm going to need an abortion and not be able to get one, and more that my body remembers so viscerally what it feels like to be controlled and manipulated and told what I can and cannot do with it. Yeah. Um, that's all I knew for the first 30 years of my life. Yeah. And I spent seven years scratching and clawing and doing this ridiculous amount of like deep internal heavy lifting to leave that system mm -hmm. and reclaim my capacity to feel sovereign in my body and sovereign in my choices. Yeah. And what it felt like was I had just spent seven years scratching and clawing to get away from a violent kidnapper. And about the time I got out, they just snatched me off the street and took me back. Like that's, mm. that's what it felt like to my like child self yeah. inside me. Um, this is a special mind fuck for those of us who grew up in high control religion. It just is. Yeah. Um, and especially I think those of us who, um, were born with vulvas, there's just like an extra layer extra of, um, of like trauma right now because it's such a familiar energetic to us. And a lot of us have done so much fucking work to get away from it. Um, it's so traumatizing. It's so traumatizing. And I think we're doing, like you with people like Renee and me with people like Donnie, um, we're finding our like anchor points. Yeah. And that, that feels like <laughs> in ways our most real option for creating a sense of safety in a yeah. world that's just fundamentally... Unsafe. Yeah, it's it's so interesting because um, a part of my like, I guess you could call it a spiritual practice is honoring the ways that my mind and brain have have served me, mm -hmm. even in the trauma responses. And I, yes. I feel like I first learned this from Madison Morgan, like mm -hmm. seven years ago when I first started following her. Yeah. Um, it was like the first thing I think I learned from her. And it was so powerful. And has been a part of my life ever since, like honoring that the ways in which we survive. Um, the, the difficult thing is that we thought that that was in the past. Yeah, we thought we were done. And, um, you know, I'm like, not everyone had that privilege. <laughs> um, so it's like, there, there's layers to it. And, mm. like... It's just interesting because, like, seeing those things come back online, it, like, I know, I love that you described it like being kidnapped again. For me, it was yeah. like, it felt like there was this flower opening of possibility oh. and of healing, and that immediately was just like, slam shut. Slam shut. Yeah. And it was, it was just, for me, it wasn't even sad. It was just like, yeah. time to go to war. Like, yeah. like, immediately yes. for me, it was just like, all right, fucking fight me. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like, yep. no, I my response so was well. not tears. Woo! I was shouting not at the walls. Not my hardest fire. I was late. <laughs> I was late for that. Josiah came in on Saturday. Um, for those of y'all who don't know, Josiah is my partner, and he, he prefers partner in crime. Uh, <laughs> my partner in crime. Uh, and he was like, what do you need? And I was like, I just need to fucking scream. And so we just like laid on the bed and screamed. Oh, we're just like, I love it. Our cats both like creeped in the room. And we're just like <laughs> staring at us like, what the fuck is going on? Broken. <laughs> <laughs> broken but it was just, that's the response that I had was just like mostly anger. Mm. But not like, a pity party. No. Like, it was just, Rage. it was just like, okay, this is the anger I was raised with. Like, I marched in Jews for Jesus when I was, like, six years old. Bless the it. Lord's Army, like, yes, my, like, all of my responses yep. that I was trained in and born with are mm -hmm. back online. Yeah. And Go here on. we are to fight. Like, yes. what, you know what I mean? Like, you trained this in us. This, like, I, oh, you taught us this shit, you know? I have so many moments of, like, poetic <laughs> justice in that occasionally, because there, there are pieces of me, um, I was thinking about this a couple of weeks ago, two queer ex-Christians, I think they're both Gen Z, um, dropped these incredibly powerful, like, queer anthem songs, and they're just oh, like, yeah. oh my god, Noah Davis, Holy Water, um, and Maddie's on you might not like her, um, mm -hmm. were the two pieces, but they all, like, they dropped within the same three days, 
And I spent that entire week on fire just going, y'all trained us yeah. to be this introspective mm -hmm. and this articulate and this like, fuck you, you won't persecute me for who I am. Right, right. And now you're about to watch us like flip that, that script on yeah. you and like, we're coming for you. I, I remember just having like, because... <laughs> Uh, the Noah Davis song sounds so much like a worship song. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> the, the like queer ex-Christian mm. worship leaders a whole niche. are about to start like dropping our freedom anthems and we're yeah. going to tell the fucking truth. And y'all oh. set us up to be this. Yes. You like yeah. stole our gifts, but mm. then like honed them in this very specific way. And now we're reclaiming them and we will yeah. use them against you. You trained us as arrows for battle. Did, yes. you, did you not? And you did. <laughs> like, you trained did us you for not? exactly that. And now we are coming for you. <laughs> like, sorry. Yeah. Not sorry. You know, it's, it's like, it's like, yeah, it's very bizarre. All that to say, like, I think, I think that there is like, there is a deep beauty to our coping strategies. Yeah. And like, where do you think the fuck they came from? Like, yeah. if someone comes at you, your response is to protect yourself. Yeah. And we just lived in that for such yes. a long time. Yes. It became a way of existence that we learned to cope with. Mm -hmm. And it's like, now we're back. Yeah. Like, we had some space to realize, oh, there's freedom and exploration in space. And then it was like, nope. And then it's like, okay, well, I know how to live in this. Mm -hmm. It's shit. Yeah. I didn't want to be here. It's re-traumatizing. And yes. I know how to do this. I know how to do this. It's interesting too, though, because I don't know if this this is like I, this has to be an experience that's in some ways very specific to me and probably my personality type. But like my um, after my conversation with Donnie, when I just like felt like the the embodied sensation of like fuck this man, I worked mm -hmm. so hard to get free, mm -hmm. and y'all just keep coming and doing the same things to us that you told us our whole lives the like queer agenda and the like liberal agenda and the feminist agenda. And you like taught us all of these things about how there were all of these people groups who given even the slightest bit of power would oppress us into the way that they view the world. And that's exactly what the fuck you're doing. The call was coming from inside the house. Yeah. It was always your own ethical system that you were afraid of. Yeah. You were just projecting it onto everyone else. Isn't that bizarre? Oh. I like, I really genuinely don't know how, well, I guess Christians don't, like, as a whole in this sector, don't know the Bible very well. But I'm like, this is literally the Pharisees. This, like, this And this is what happened in Rome. This is like, yeah. you made Christianity the, the national religion. You started killing people yeah. from other religions and faiths and did sexualities. Did ever, like, did no. Jesus spend one iota of his time on earth trying to protect the power of Rome? Fuck not a fucking no. second. Like, you are not on the side of Jesus now. Yeah. You're not on the side of Jesus right like, now. I don't know how you don't get, like, oh. they crucified a brown man. Like, yeah. what the fuck do you think like, that was about? The white crucified Romans. Crucified by the state. Like, how did... Uh, uh, I, like... Come on now. So many, th so many things. So many pieces so many of rage. Yeah. But, like, I, I felt that, like... Like, that embodied sensation of, like, fuck this for the first time that day um, on the patio. And then my next move <laughs> was um, this is what they want. Like, this moment where I'm, like, all of a sudden this, like, 14-year-old again who feels very powerless and, like, doesn't have any agency in like how I move forward, um, that's what they want. Like they yeah. want us disempowered. They want us to feel that 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 like itch <laughs> that we mm. feel so easily to just like fall back in line. Because as you said, we know how to do this. Yeah, we know how to do that. We know how to live in oppression. <laughs> like yeah, that's we grew up that way. We grew up in cult dynamics. Mm -hmm. um, we know how to do this part. And there was just a part of me that was like, I know how to do this part that's what they want from me is mm -hmm. for me to do this part. Mm -hmm. How can I actively give both of my middle fingers and some borrowed ones to all of that mm. in a way that's like nourishing to me. <laughs> and so for me, it was just like, 
Um, I just wanted a week full of intimacy because it feels like that's so much of what is they're they're trying, trying to like to isolate and like make us feel small and afraid and disconnected and all of these things. Mm. Um, and I was just like, no, I refuse that. I'm not gonna no, I'm not gonna do that for any length of time. Yeah. Um, and so I just stocked out my week. I'm so tired right now because literally for the past like seven days straight, um, I've just been in a very social, connected like community mm. partnership like engaged mode and it's been exactly the right thing for this time but now I'm just my, my like introvert self is like bitch you gotta take a break um, you're not built like this but it felt like some sense of rebellion mm-hmm. that they just can't kill like yeah. they have tried so hard my whole life to kill my sense of rebellion they can't they can't kill that part of me and so like my my question has become like, how do I leverage my internalized sense of rebellion toward the end of my own nourishment? Mm-hmm. Like, regardless of the systems in place, how do I how do I protect myself as much as I can while not protecting myself in ways that actually isolate me mm-hmm. and make me and like make me collapse inward? Yeah. Um, I don't have don't have the full answer to that yet, certainly, but. Fuck, that did like you, rebellious spirit has been a real thing for the past week and a half. Did you hear about the person who mailed their uterus to the Supreme Court? I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I heard, I saw this, um, it was Big Mama, I believe is the name of the account, but it wasn't them that did it. They like were sharing, they were like mirror, what do you call that? Stitching together someone else talking yeah, about yeah. it. So I don't know, like, the actual source of it, but there was, like, a bunch of people responding to this news. But someone mailed their uterus to the Supreme Court. That is a fucking delight. I know. Oh, I have not heard anything I that was like, what so the actual fuck? And bless you. I am. <laughs> I want to buy that person a drink. I know. That is delightful. So, anyway. Um, <laughs> I just thought that was fucking brilliant. <laughs> and... Uh, like, and part of it is, like, I think there's something, too, just, like, leaning into the absurdity yeah. of all of this and just finding ways to, like, acknowledge that the time that we live in is fucking asinine. It's absurd. It's it, ridiculous. It is. it is. And, like, if we can find ways to lean into the ridiculousness, I, I think there's an art to that. And it's yes. like also just really nourishing. Like, how good would it feel to mail your fucking uterus to Mitch McConnell? Yeah, it's like, okay, now's the time. Ugh. <laughs> I, Since you're so fucking interested in this, <laughs> here you go, sir. I did a uh, uh, energy session with um, a friend as practice because I'm studying to be an energy coach on the side. Um, P.S. If anyone wants uh, free energy coaching, I am, yeah, we, I do. we should do I that. Must certainly do. Um, yes, okay, so Audra's one. I have two more <laughs> spots available. <laughs> It's just uh, uh, practice for me. Uh, it'll be real fun. Just three sessions. Anyway, um, if I could tell you what energy coaching was, I would. All I can tell you is that it's fucking magic. Um, anyway, I did a session with a friend, and um, it was so it was so cool because it was before this uh, wedding that I went to this weekend, and basically I wanted something to anchor me, like something to. And I didn't even know that's what I wanted going into the session, but what we found is, like, candy kept showing up, like, Smarties, which I'm not a big candy person. I don't eat a lot of candy. I would prefer to eat, like, my weight in cinnamon rolls or bread, just plain bread and butter. Um, (laughs) Underrated look. (laughs) I know. Like, oh, God, I love it. I grew up eating saltines with butter for for dessert. (laughs) That was our treat if we ate our spinach. I literally was like... (laughs) 1 a.m. stoned in the kitchen. This has been, like, probably, like, four months ago. I, like, did the butter and saltine thing. And one of my partners had never, like, they had never seen it. And I was like, oh, no, baby, you you missed out. This is, like, the pork and luxury. This is the pork and luxury. I will still consume it, despite the fact that I am perfectly capable of purchasing (laughs) better snacks now. It's it's ingrained as a delight now. Um, So candy kept showing up for me in this space, and as a way and color as like a way of bringing me um to that space of yeah. humor and lightness and levity yes. as a like a reminder of like hey you don't have to be in the weightiness of this 
the entire time. Take the exit ramp of the lollipop whenever you need it. I love so that. So what happened was um, my sister-in-law happened to bring lollipops for the girls who were the flower girls, my daughter and her three daughters, and it gave them to them at the end of the aisle, and then Maya didn't want hers, and she turned around and handed it to me, and I was just like, all right. <laughs> but just like, that's kind of been an anchor for me of like this reminder of like, it's okay to like lean into the sweetness. It's okay to like step back and enjoy something yes. because yes. they want you defeated yes. and deflated and like you said, isolated. Uh-huh. So like allow yourself yeah. this little exit with Smarties. That was, yeah, that was honestly like in so many ways. <laughs> you can have a break. I love that our bodies just like, intuitively know that that's what we need in moments like these because that's like in retrospect that's exactly what I did last week was like just make a ton of space for like the sweetness of life and connection Mm. and like I ate a lot of good food I like bought more desserts than usual um Mm. and just like kept them here because I again just like leaning into the sweetness and it was like Mm. this whole week of just like I had fresh flowers and yeah, like, I kept buying like, flowers too. <laughs> yeah, I would like get flowers and like have these like beautiful patio conversations with some of my dearest friends and favorite people. And I like mm. ate so much good food and I had like stocked up on fruit and there were uh, many orgasms. And like, mm. I just believe that's the way through this because that's the thing is I, I kept returning to. Joy is fuel. Joy is as potent a fuel as rage is. Yes. And while I love my rage fuel and it is necessary, it burns out quick and it burns me out quick. Mm. So like learning how to fuel myself with joy and play and pleasure and just like unapologetic delight in the experience of being human. You have to have both. You have to have both. Because it just, it felt like... I think one of the painful parts for me about the Roe v. Wade thing, because, and it's it's so painful to me because I've worked so hard to reclaim my pleasure. Mm. <laughs> and so, like, yeah. in many ways, what it feels like they're doing is trying to craft a world where, like, pleasure is exclusively for the purpose of procreation, or with at least with the understanding that procreation is a possibility and if it becomes a thing then it's just something you have to accept so it's like attaching this very big weight this like black cloud to pleasure and connection and intimacy when in that setting it's like the goal isn't pleasure for women or anyone with a whole boat it's most certainly not yeah Uh, i had one too many conversations about that in my instagram dms like i just I, at church, your people are having terrible fucking sex. I have to tell you this. Like, you sold us on the whole, like, if you play it by the rules and you do all the right things yeah. and you wait for the right person and you never kiss anyone until you get to the altar. But you're not supposed you're to masturbate have, either. That'll, you like, can, ruin you can, your... Exactly. Like, you can't masturbate. You can't do any form of self-exploration. I'm glad I didn't listen to that. <laughs> sexual experience is limited to one person. Your people are having fucking terrible sex and I have receipts for it. So, you're lying. <laughs> Our accountants are coming for you. <laughs> I'm so salty at you about it. Ugh. You want something? Hear something else funny? I absolutely. This do. is like part of how I cope with this. It's like I get really, really angry, and then I also just like find these really hilarious things. Do you know that? Do you know the guys um, who are all about Stoke in California? No. Okay, so there's these two surfer bros. And they're hilarious. They've been around for like maybe five years or something, making videos about raising stoke in the niche. It's their whole vibe. They like they go around and do like really positive things. They call themselves activists. So during 2020, they were like doing concerts outside of people's apartments to cheer them up, like wearing masks. They pass out masks in California for a while. They like they go to like their state meetings and like say stuff about like you need to like raise joke in the nation, like, this isn't doing any good. You know, can they have to be heard because, like, they're at a council meeting. So <laughs> this past week, they were at a court meeting, and, and uh, I forget the first guy's name. The second guy's name is JT, but the first guy was, like, the main stoke guy. 
it was like I just wanted to announce because like I'm like all these all the ladies are like really sad about this issue and he's like there's just like it's not raising stoke and they're sad and he's like so I just wanted to let everyone know that I will not be having sex until this issue is fixed and and my buddy JT is with me because we don't want to add to this (laughs) oppression like it was so I was like oh my god I love you like they're just like they took the time and they do this every time they take the time to wait to get a turn to speak that's in these meetings to so say this awesome. stuff. Yes. This it's, is so It's awesome. so blessed and sweet. And they're, they're just like, sorry, ladies. <laughs> it's just, it's so funny. Like, that was one of the things that, like, um, um, I had, like, a number of good cackles that week over, like, every now and then I would see the graphics about how, like, women just need to start, like, denying men's sex and all of these things. And my brain is like, no, that hurts me too. No, yeah, no, we don't no, really no. want that. I will not be doing that. Like, I will not be like cutting my nose off to spite my fucking face. Josiah was like, "It's going to be a pickup line to say like I have a vasectomy oh, and have a, and have a doctor's note for it." Uh, <laughs> men with a vasectomy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, "Yeah." <laughs> been very grateful that like I'm exclusively partnered with people with vasectomies at this point, and I'm like, "Oh." Thank you, Chef's Love you. Um, I have appreciated, I've actually been really pleasantly surprised. Not pleasantly surprised. No, this is just like what what has been cultivated in my life. Um, So many of like my dearest friends and like even like distant acquaintances like that I just watch on social media and stuff. Like the men in my, my own sphere have been exactly as pissed off and also I've like watched them be mobilized like I've been just like sitting back and like witnessing the conversations happening on social media and I've had like so many of my like male friends and acquaintances partners like everyone um just like jumping in to be like hey let's uh like have a guys weekend and go get vasectomies (laughs) like let's take care of this um so it was like stuff like that and there were a ton of them that were like trying to do some, like, community organizing and, like, heading things up and basically just, like, like fighting. I had, I had a couple of posts that I made that I was like, I want to say this thing, and also I don't have the energy to go to war in the comments. Yeah. And, like, a couple of my, my guys were just like, done. You make the post. I'll I'll go to war. That's fine. Like, mm. you go sleep. Like, cool. God. Like, Good men are great. It, <laughs> it's, it's been one of those things, like, and, and I've been thinking so much about how this is a really telling time, like, I, in terms of, like, the men in our lives. Mm-hmm. Like, like their, um, yeah. their behavior is speaking really loudly, and it has been a fucking joy to me to mm-hmm. listen to the behavior of the men in my life speak. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's been a confirmation of, like, okay, yeah, no, I've created some very solid relationships with really good men mm-hmm. um, who are imperfect and messy, but they're, like, actively trying to figure out how to leverage the privilege of being a person with a penis in this country. Mm. They're trying. And that's enough for me. That's enough. Yeah. That's all you can do. All you know. Actually trying. (laughs) Literally just that. Like, you're not going (laughs) to arrive one night. It's going to be messy, but it's been nice to see them, like, so actively engaging. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because, like, it's so tiring. It's, it is, it's, and it's the same thing, like, I've been doing so much, like, like, thinking in terms of, like, how easy it is for us in our points of privilege to forget that we're actually the ones who need to be doing the fighting, like, on behalf of, like, the... More marginalized. The more marginalized. Like, I I continue thinking about, like, um, like, so many of the, um, specifically the black women that I follow on TikTok have been, like, educating the shit out of me for the past couple of weeks. Um, and so much of what it's coming back to is like revolution, the visions should be set by 
by black people, like mm -hmm. because they do revolution from yes, like they do revolution from a decolonized standpoint. Mm -hmm. Like they understand the realities of how true revolution in this country is going to require decolonization. Um, and so, like I've been leaning into this like this notion that the vision should be set by people whose vision is wider than ours can be because of our privilege. Mm -hmm. um, and at this point, I am the workhorse. Like, mm -hmm. I am the order taker and the person, like, like the exact same thing that my guy friends have been doing for me this past week. Where they're mm -hmm. like, you say the thing, you set the vision, I will block right and left to, mm -hmm. like, bring your vision into, into being and, like, defend you from the people who come up against it. Yeah. And so, like, looking at what my role in that can be, um, I don't know. I'm, I feel like there's some very big, like, cultural mm -hmm. weight shifting happening right now. And it's so fucking disorienting. Mm -hmm. Nothing feels stable. But I can also see that we're, like, moving toward slowly, <laughs> painfully, slowly moving toward a world where what we have right now is not sustainable, something is going to have to break. And how do I want to be, like, where do I want to be <laughs> in that, like, mm. that fracture? Yeah. Um, it's so important, like, to, um, when you're, like, like, big events like this and stuff happen and, like, those of us with more privilege, like having heard about it for the first time, or yes. like, it becomes like you know, and everyone else is just like, well, like we've we fucking been here. Yeah, and they're like the the urge, the white that white savior urge to start a campaign. Um, <laughs> it's like pause yes. and like look around at the people black people who've already been doing this, this or yeah. the people of color. If it's like a refugee, like you have yeah. to like look at who's already fucking doing this yes. work and support them. Like we yeah. don't. That's not, it would be like, yeah, it's just not. Why are we reinventing the wheel when there are people who are doing it better with better. a nuanced, like, with that a more nuanced perspective have. that we cannot have yeah, because of the blinders we have on? Yeah, and it's like, it's interesting because, like, I think, I think it has, it, like, comes from this, like, hierarchy. Like, our urge yes. to do things like that comes oh, from yeah. this hierarchy of, like, stepping in and believing that we have whatever to offer. Uh -huh. But it's like, you have you have hands here to offer, yes. you know, yes. like you are not the brains of this operation, no, no matter how much of a fucking genius you are, yep. contribute is. and support in this arena. Yep. You That's, know, uh, I, I can't remember which creator it was, but someone on, on TikTok um, made the statement at some point, um, because there was like all of this stuff for a long time going for a long time. This was literally a week and a half ago. I what it's time. <laughs> it's been a long um, two weeks. It's been a very long two weeks. Um, but, like, there were a bunch of, like, people basically just making, like, if you need to go camping in another state, like, I'll take oh, you. Oh, yeah, camping, yeah, Like, all of the things. Or here's how to order cupcakes. Here's I loved a, that yes. one. Yes. And, like, there, I, like, I, I so deeply love the heart that I know that that comes from. And also, like, the creator that, um, that addressed it was just, like, hey, just for what it's worth, like, there are already systems in place. There are underground abortion support networks that have been established and maintained forever mm. by black women. Like, we don't know about them because we're white, <laughs> and we've never had to worry about this. Like, yeah. reproductive, reproductive issues, as much as they feel like they are really impactful to us, have been a part of the black female experience forever. That was, I didn't like this shit. Um, <laughs> I got into my coffee. I do not approve. Um, but I appreciate it. And the way that she put it was, um, she was like, this is not your Katniss Everdeen moment. Like, this is not like the place where you get to step in and be the hero and come to save the day. Like, what if, you point people toward the established channels that already exist mm -hmm. to get the, to the support they need from people who actually like understand how unsafe this can be, how like genuinely unsafe it can be yeah. to try to like do illegal things and like make it happen. 
in ways where no one is harmed and everyone is well taken care of and no one goes to prison and like all of the things. Yeah. Um, I really appreciated that because there is that instinct and it, it's so easy for me in so many ways because I grew up in a savior complex. Right. Like yeah. at a 30, 30 years savior complex as an existence. Yeah, we were taught stories of martyrdom from like yes. our earliest memories. Yes. And Our it was always white people. It's always, always. Going to other countries mm -hmm. to save people. Uh, I just, there is. Jesus wasn't white. A ton. <laughs> God, there's just so much like, there's so much decolonizing work that I know for myself, like I can't speak for anyone else, but like this is the, that's the next portion of my like trying to figure out where I want to be in this cultural explosion. Yeah. Because there's just so yeah. much of it that I'm like, I I have been taught in so many ways to believe that my good intentions mean that I know best. Yeah. And, you know, that's what we were told. <laughs> that's you know. what we were told. Like and and like this is one of those seasons in my life where I'm just like, okay, it's time to like acknowledge that in order to create the world world that I want to see come into existence for my kid, mm -hmm. and your kid, and my bonus kids, and all of the people, mm -hmm. um, I have to acknowledge that I'm not the smartest person in the room. Not even close. You don't fucking need to be. No need to be. You know, so like, like we were talking about at the very beginning, it's like yeah. you have a part, a role to play. Yeah. Like you don't yeah. need to be the center of everything. Yes. I, yeah. As far as like decolonization from an embodiment standpoint, um, the work of Sonia Renee Taylor oh, is God, profound. Yes. Yeah. The Body is Not an Apology yeah. is like one of the most amazing works mm -hmm. I've read on the top the topic of decolonization from a body perspective. And it's deeply influenced the way that I've been viewing my own body and like how that the systems of like hierarchy go down and yeah. start with yes. that with that like level yep. with our bodies. Yes. Yeah, because that's like, I think that's the, uh, yeah, yeah, there's just like starting with the body and understanding that like every way that we know how to orient in the world is influenced by the like colonizer perspective of individualism and domination and domination domination yeah. over the body domination over everything domination mm -hmm. over people domination over systems and like trying to remove that trying to remove domination and possession dynamics like that's been honestly that's been some of the biggest work of polyamory for me has been like mm. coming into contact with how ubiquitous it was in my upbringing to believe that I could possess a person yeah. and a person could possess me. Yeah. And that was actually a desirable thing. Like right. it was, yeah. it was a very desirable thing. Yes. I've been like working through that. Um, well, we were taught to be possessed by the Holy Spirit. Literally. literally Consumed. Oh, I sat on the patio this past week and I had like this moment of reckoning with myself. Um, I've been reading this book called Self-Observation for so long and it is fucking me up. But one of the things that it talks about is how, like, our minds have all of these different, like, facets and personas and, like, little little pieces and parts that have, each of which have desires that conflict with one another. Like, mm -hmm. and so, like, when we let our intellectual systems run and we're not deeply grounded in the body, like, in the body, in the present moment, our minds will just go at all times. Mm -hmm. And, like, work against themselves. Like, our minds are never, like, moving us consistently in one direction. Yeah. Um, they're trying to keep it the same. They're trying to keep it the same. And, like, one of the things I, I said and have been grappling with in terms of, like, relationship is I have, in sometimes what feels like equal measure, desire for freedom and also desire to be consumed. Like, both at the same time. Mm, I'm curious. Okay, so I'm very curious about this because I felt this in myself, too. Yeah. And I'm, like, I, I want to, like, nothing is, like, right or wrong or yeah. good or bad. But, like, the for me, sometimes the desire to be, like, consumed or, like, 
almost like have someone else in charge is just a wanting to dismiss the responsibility and the exhaustion it takes to be responsible for myself. I relate to that. You know what I mean? Uh Uh-huh. There is, and that's actually, in ways, that's a a dynamic I've um, done some exploration around for myself too. So there is a concept in the kink world called an alpha submissive. Yeah. And it's like essentially in like a, a play perspective, it's a person who is very like dominant in every category of their lives. Mm. So like for me, I'm a single mother. I own my home. I run my home. I own my business. I am responsible solely, exclusively for literally every category of my life. Mm. And so like, I relate to that feeling of like, it's not that I want to be consumed. It's just that I want to not be fully in charge just one goddamn time in my life. That would be amazing. Okay, that's so interesting. And like, <laughs> we can I, talk about this oh, forever. So, <laughs> totally, like, there are so many layers here to unpack. Yeah. But like, that's that's a very reasonable, and it's it's been interesting for me to try to separate that from like, I want that as an experience from, I want that as an entire relationship structure. Sure, like, I sure. want to be just like wholly and utterly consumed and possessed by another person, versus. I want to create pockets of my life wherein I can relax and soften. Yeah. And you don't like have to make every decision. The care of someone who I trust and love and who has my best interests at heart. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a very appealing dynamic to me because I'm fucking tired all yeah. the time. Yeah. Um, and so, like, that's kind of where I find the, like, middle ground between I want my freedom, but also I want to be possessed. Mm-hmm. I want to be consumed. Um, yeah. That's... Yeah. Okay. So I, I listened to this. This is one of my favorite podcasts. <laughs> True crime obsessed. <laughs> um, Jillian Pensavalli and Patrick Heights are two of my favorite people to like, just listen to. They're fantastic. <laughs> but they do, it's true crime. So they like commentate on documentaries, yeah. on true crime documentaries. Um, the reason I got into it is because I had one on, um, some Christian cult and I was very fascinated by that and then I was like wow this is just fucking fantastic yeah. content um it's like my favorite form of entertainment but anyway they did one and they were talking about um shibari because oh. that was like a concept within this oh. and I I learned for the first time that there's like places people like these places open at like 4 a.m yeah and like they just like tie wealthy businessmen up yeah before they go to work in the morning, like yeah. every morning. It's just like you just <sighs> go into this because they have such like lives where they're forced to be in these yes. positions or yep. whatever, or they feel like they have to. This is like a way of yes letting go of control. And I was like, that's so interesting. There's, um, <laughs> there's someone in Kansas City um, who does Shibari. I've done a couple of like, I did a, like an aesthetic session with him for um, uh, like for a photo shoot, which was really fun. Yeah. But he, like, works with people in that capacity, too. So there's, like, a, a concept called subspace, um, which is basically, like, your body's chemical reaction to the experience of, like, fully submitting and surrendering to a scenario. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, because your body, like, floods with endorphins. And that's one of the beauties of Shibari. So, like, being tied and being, like, entirely relieved from control is a very, like, endorphin heavy experience um and it just like drops you into this like it's an altered state of consciousness i don't don't have any other way to explain it it's an altered state of consciousness hello loves it's me christina i wanted to interrupt this episode to talk to you briefly about my one-on-one rebuilding coaching series this 12-week series is designed to transform the way you show up in your life um, to help you discover your next step and support you to move confidently into it We work on inner critic, dialogue, confidence, and trusting yourself to make decisions. I like to look at life as a series of endings and beginnings. There's so many of those in our lives, and I think this space is where the greatest transformation takes place. And whether you've already gone through a change or feeling like there's a change around the corner or just really feel like something is missing, these spaces are great for asking, what do I want now and what is possible for me now? If you're really longing to live freely and trust yourself to move through life with confidence, this series is for you. My clients call this series transformative, empowering, and inspiring, and they often report after the series they feel confidence to say no, 
trust their worth, in touch with their bodies, and in tune with their instincts. This is a powerful container and can have huge long-term impacts on your life and well-being. You can learn more by visiting my website at www.christinamcarlson.com, also listed in the show notes, um, and that's where you can learn more about working with me. Thanks for your time. Now back to the show. Business. Um, I don't think I, I would can like that one hundred percent for like people who are very high power. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, honestly, I didn't think I would like it at all either, and I could just live there. Like, so the situations that I like the the exploration I've done with Dom and Sub mm-hmm. is I enjoyed being the Dom. <gasps> yeah. So see, polar opposite, which is so funny. <laughs> I just I like it's so like I don't want to be controlled and and like I have enough in my life because I have a partner and yeah. I have to rely on other people in yes. like such a way that for me it feels like better to be like commanding people around yeah and that you know? makes total sense like sometimes I and I'm not like, I'm not bossy in real no. life you know I think it's what we're seeking is balance yeah like I think that yeah. there's like an element of when anyone gets to a position where the power dynamics are just off in their lives, mm-hmm. I have too much power in my life. <laughs> like, yeah. I have, and it's not power like, um, it's not that I have too much power in my life. It's that I have too much, too much of my life requires me to be on. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so there is something for me to the experience of not having to be on it. And also like one of the reasons Shabari is really satisfying for me, like, it's not even that I don't have to be on. I can't. Hmm. Like, I literally, like, I cannot do anything. Like, yeah. I can't, like, like... Decision fatigue. Yeah, and that's exactly... I think it's yeah. such a... Like, it feels like relief mm-hmm. for me. Um, yeah. Which is super interesting, because I... Like, I present with such, like... Big dick daddy energy. <laughs> like, I, I don't make sense in ways as, like... Big dick daddy energy. That's me. Um, I have so much of that. And so it's like always surprising to like new and prospective partners when they're like, oh, you're a marshmallow. You are a subby little marshmallow. I'm like, yes. Yes, I am. Mm-hmm, that's true. Because I have to be in turn in every other category. But like for the yeah. context of your life, because a lot of the like, it feels like you already have a lot of like both. And you have mm-hmm. some a lot more areas where like you have to be reliant on another mm-hmm. person. Yeah. And so it would create, like, a sense of empower, like, like something very, like, powerful, I would think, for yeah. you to, like, take a more dominant position. Yeah. I think it's, we're just, we're all just seeking balance. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. And, like, just because that's that way now doesn't mean it would be something, wouldn't be something different later. Yeah. Like, like you said, if it's about balance, then our lives are going to shift roles and yes. we desire different things. Yeah. Which, just like anything, like, people change and... Their preferences change. Their preferences change. Yeah, and that's. I love that we started off with Roe v. Wade. We just made our way culture all the way to cake. That's you know what (laughs) this shit is where I live. (laughs) I just think it's it's so important to like observe like um, relationship dynamics Uh and and have like communication around them because like. Another thing that we were taught within religion was that there's, like, specific roles you play. And, like, it was so... Oh, my God. I almost, like... I think I actually did laugh. Um, This this past weekend, there was, like, a rehearsal dinner. And, like, um, people were, like, getting up to talk, like, and say things about, like, you know, wisdom and advice for the bride and groom. And, like, almost everyone got up and said, like, a Bible verse of some kind. But this one guy who's, like, a pastor was just like, I just have a, it's dangerous to give the microphone to a, a pastor in this situation, <laughs> you know, like that kind of vibe, uh, and then he was like, I'm going to tell you something surprising, men and women are different, oh and my I, god, I, was like, <laughs> uh, I just looked at Josiah, and he looked at me, and I was like, what the fuck, and he launched into the love and respect deal, course, yeah, oh well, yeah, and I was just like, this is so destructive on so many levels, obviously, but I like all I could think was like I just fucking want to be respected. I'm like how destructive to tell a group of women that that's what they don't want. Like they don't want respect. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's like gaslighting immediately. It was just like, this is not what you really want. Well, you I'm, really desire this particular yes, thing. Yes, and particularly in conjunction with the fact that our concept of love, the concept of love we were given was so fucked up. Yeah, and separate so somehow like, from respect? Completely separate. Like... That, it's so funny you say that. That's actually a thing I've been, like, exploring in my own mind the past couple of weeks. Um, because, like, I, I learned in my family, one of the reasons that I tend to be a very, like, hyper-independent, like, I don't ask for help. I don't, like, yeah. I just, I, I take on everything on my own has been my history. I'm, like, learning how to move through things with more nuance. But when I look back at my childhood, like, my family dynamics were that, like, respect was reserved for people who had their shit together. Like, you could love someone who was, like, in need mm-hmm. and, like, um, who needed your help and your assistance and your support and all the things. You loved those people. You respected... Um, masculine traits masculine traits from this perspective and so like one of my forms of i think seeking love specifically for my father has been being hyper independent to a truly destructive point like it's not cute but like that's how i because I, i could see like my my dad the way that he treated people he loves and the way that he treated people he respects is different. And I wanted the respect, the respect version of him. Me too. And so I learned how to like be so fucking hyper independent. I'm still like trying to figure out how to like turn. And that's also another reason like, um, that I think the exploration of like submission in both like sexual and like just relationship dynamic contexts, um, has been really healthy for me because despite the fact that I got all of the messaging about like submit, 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 it was always included alongside an undercurrent of, but if I'm submissive and taken care of and I'm like the soft, like, like needy partner, needy person, needy woman, then my dad won't respect me. Mm. And I want him to treat me the way he treats people he respects. That's so interesting. I kind of had, like, the a very different experience because, like, I basically, like, bought into, sort of bought into the idea that, like, I just wanted love. And, like, that was how I got what I needed. So I played smaller to have yeah. my needs met. And, like, felt the weight of, like, not having respect but sort of found... The way that you do, like, a private joke with the fact that you're getting what you want and you actually deserve your own respect because you are getting what you need out of people. And it's, like, it's not a, like, healthy relationship dynamic and also it's, like, was the only way I knew how to survive. So it was, like, not... People would look at that and call women manipulative, but no. It's literally the only option I was having. Like we talked about, the church taught us sex work. It's like the same thing. You just like, you're giving someone what they want and you're getting what you want. Yes. It's a transaction. They just don't know it. Yeah, it's a transaction. Yeah. We're just, it's just unacknowledged. Yeah. Yeah. That's always been the, yeah, I I will continue to come back to like, transactional love was deeply taught to me by the church. Like, you give this to get this and I give this to get this and we like, pay each other for mm-hmm. what we need in these ways. If you make them feel good, strong, like they know more than you do, which yeah. I did all the time. Yeah. Oh, God. Then you have love, you have safety, you have people oh. looking out for you. That is, I. that's another thing I'm unpacking right now, because, like, I, with men specifically, I got really good at playing dumb and confused. And I am never dumb and confused. I know, me neither. Like, I, am, I am so far <laughs> just a roll. from either one of those So easy things. to drop into, though. It's so easy to drop into. It's how oh, I was. Oh, cool. Tell me more. I'm like, oh, I, what, was, what was the other one? Amina and I talked in therapy like a week and a half. Or, like the, It was our last session. Um, and one of the things she said to me, and I was like, oh, no. Why did you say that? Why, why would you do this to me? I pay you so well. Why are you mean? Um, but it was like, it was so profound. Because when we were talking about that, I was like, I learned how to play dumb and confused in order to get love. Yeah. Um, and she was like, you also learned how to play chaotic when you're not a chaotic person at all. 
And I was like, I'm sorry, come again. Go on. And she was like, she, she was like, um, she was like, I can see like elements. She's like, she knows enough, but we've been working together for two and a half years. Um, she knows enough about my brain and my history at this point that she knows that my, what my role inside my family was the very like free spirited, chaotic, silly, like well-meaning and sweet and funny and smart. Like my family knows I'm smart as hell, but like very ungrounded and like doesn't really know how life works. And like that was the role that was assigned to me in many ways. Hmm. And I learned how to play that role. And I still am learning how to unpack that from myself because that's the thing that shows up in partnership very often hmm. is I can play the role of the chaos gremlin, like the manic pixie dream girl. Um, I can play that so easily because that's what I was in my family. Hmm. And for the first time, I'm partnering with people who don't want that from me. Hmm. Like, I'm welcome to show up as, like, the smartest person in the room in a lot of, of instances. Um, in, in, like, my, my own, like, strengths and giftings. But I still, like, shrink back from that. Like, I still default to, if I want to be loved, I can't be taken seriously. Hmm. Which means that I am like, sweet and silly and, like, chaotic. Uh, yeah. yeah. I'm still, like, trying to own, because um, what she said in conjunction with that, she was like, you have this perception of yourself as, like, this very free-flowing, fluid, type B person that's just, like, welcome to, like, like, the ebbs and flows of everything at all times. And she was like, that is not the person I see at all. Like, <laughs> not at all. She was just like, you, she was like, you are meticulous. Like, hmm. your brain is meticulous. And your preferred orientation through the world seems to be a lot more geared toward meticulous than it is pure chaos. Hmm. That, like, cha being chaotic and sweet and silly and delightful without needing to be taken seriously is how I learned how to get love. Felt safer. Felt safer, yeah. Because, like, no no woman growing up in the church gets to be the smartest person in the room. Right. That's dangerous. Despite the fact that I, like, very often was. Hmm. Like, the most intuitive, like, my smarts come from, like, intuition and spirit mm -hmm. and gut. And in that way, I'm almost unmatched in my, like, history. Like, mm -hmm. there are very few rooms wherein my spirit was not the most, like, awake awake in the room. Mm -hmm. But I was never allowed to lean into that because I was trying to prove I wasn't a threat. And right. a really nice way to prove you're not a threat is to be sweet and silly and chaotic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So many, so many things to unpack with how we show up in different relationships. Yes. Yeah. And I really have to pee, so we're going to end the episode. I love this. <laughs> I love that this is good. And we'll, we'll continue on. Love y'all, friends. Thank you all for joining me today. If you are wanting one-on-one -on -one support to help you step into trusting yourself, seeing your own magic, and building the life that you want, you can contact me on my website. The website is below in the show notes. I hope you all have a bitchin' day.